Welcome to Aim in Practice, where we talk about life as a practitioner, wellness in general, and what it means to practice. I'm your host, Jess Reynolds, and today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Debbie. Debbie is a phenomenal conversationalist, and in this episode, we talk about her mission to educate others about this company that she's been working for that's been around for a little over a century and has never once advertised. We discuss about how this company checks all the boxes of what's wrong in the wellness industry, and in particular, in the insurance industry. Debbie's alternative approach to building relationships with her clients is what really helps her succeed. And of course, we talk about insurance. I would have never thought that talking about insurance could actually be interesting, but I was really surprised. This is in fact a very interesting episode where we get a fresh perspective on how important different types of insurance is. With that being said, let's jump in. Debbie, thanks for joining me. Uh, we'll start like I always like to start. I'm always curious to understand what, what, got, what got a person into the wellness industry, particularly, of course, with yourself, massage. So tell me a bit of your backstory. Did you do anything before massage or were you one of those people who are at like 14? You're like, I know what I want to do. I want to rub oil on people. <laughs> right. <laughs> So uh, what's your story? What got you into this industry? Well, thanks for having me, Jess. Um, I I actually started out wanting to be a physiotherapist, but didn't want to travel for school. So I took all the courses when I could um, in college and then realized very quickly I didn't want to go to the States or Edmonton. <laughs> so, so that kiboshed that. And then I looked for other avenues. So um, I looked at massage and... Um, what else? Oh, uh, becoming a paramedic as well. Um, and that at that time you had to, yeah. Anyways, it, it just ended up being massage was the, the best fit for me at the time. So my mom's like, hey, there's a new school that's opened in Calgary. Why don't you check it out? And that's kind of what happened. And cool. that was about, oh gosh, I was 21. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> So you've been in the biz for for a while. I mean, longer than than four years. You're you're far above average, right? Yeah. So what what's kept you in this industry? I love learning. Um, I love teaching and just helping people. I know mm. that's probably what most massage therapists say or most people say, but I really do in, like them walking out with you know, better feeling better, or, you know, I've helped them fix something or they can move better. So that's really what I really enjoyed about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you say everybody does say that. And, and I think you're right. Yeah. I, so I send a survey out to, to every new student and, you know, I'd say about half of them, maybe a bit less fill it out. So I've got, I've got a lot of responses so far. And one of the questions is, what do you enjoy most about what you do? And I, at first I left it as, as an open-ended question, just type it, but Literally everybody typed the exact same thing. I like helping people. <laughs> oh, it's the best part of your job when people get off the table and they feel really good, right? And and that that's certainly the case. But I'm always curious, like, is there is there something below that? Or or like what about that is it that you like? I know it's a tricky question, but I find when when there's such a common answer to a question, there's usually something else under there. So like like what else is there when you say you really like that look that people have or helping people? Well, why? That's a good question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, if I go back to why I chose, I just loved everything about the body and how, how good, you know, how interesting and bizarre mm. at times. 
and unique it can be. Um, so that's why I kind of went down that road. But to say in terms of why do I want to help people, I don't, I don't know. Mm. I don't know that there is a, an answer for me, but, yeah. but yeah, it just seems that everyone's like, I want to help people. I like helping people, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, then maybe another question is, there's a million ways to help people, right? Like, right. What, what is it about massage that, that you feel is the best way to help people? You're asking me really hard questions, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's just about how unique everybody is. Mm. So just because, you know, somebody has bicepital tendinosis doesn't mean that I can treat it the same way as somebody else who has the same, right? So just learning and figuring that out and yeah. just, it's kind of like a puzzle. Mm. Um, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Just trying to determine what is going to be best for that specific mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. um, I know we have the basis, but, you know, then you add all these other things and kind of make it your own. So, yeah. 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 Okay, that makes sense. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to dig on that one because right? <laughs> you get the same answer enough times. You're like, there's got to be something. There's got to be more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. For sure. And it, and it is that like like well, well why why massage for helping people when you could help people by you know like like a carpenter technically they help people and ultimately everybody in the service industry they're they're helping so yeah I think that makes sense well it certainly makes sense but why why massage so you're 21 you wanted to do physio. And you decided you didn't want to leave to do physio, so you got into massage instead. And you jumped into it. Now, when we talk about your career as a massage therapist, have you ever thought about doing something else? I mean, in the first, I don't say half of your career, did you did you know, like, yes, I'm still happy with this, this is what I want to do, or was there any point in which you wanted to try something else? Um, so I actually... About 10 years in, I ended up having babies. So mm. that is what gave me a bit of a break. Um, then realizing that uh, not too long after that I wanted to go back, I did miss it. Um, so not always did I, I now, <laughs> after, you know, 20 some years in the business, now I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can do that anymore. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, definitely not really in the beginning. It mm -hmm. was still something that I really enjoyed doing. And kind of knew that that's what I always wanted to go back to. Yeah. And I mean, you taught too, right? Yes. Yeah. What, um, what got you into teaching? I knew that massage as a career, typically like when, when I went to school, they said eight to 10 years max. Mm -hmm. So for anyone to get any more than that was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> so I kind of knew that eventually I would be practicing less and, I wanted to stay in the industry, so that's kind of why I decided to to try the teaching angle. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that makes sense. And then recently, now you've you've shifted in your you're doing other things. Oh, wait, are you still doing massage? I'm not. You're not. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. No. Actually, when um, March of 2021, mm -hmm. I tore the ulnar collateral ligament in my thumb. Oh, get out. They they actually said to me, I've never seen anything like this. What the heck did you do? <laughs> I had a hole right in the middle of the ligament. How? Just from overuse. Mm. So, um, yeah, I was kind of a, I was there for almost two hours and everyone was in looking at my ultrasound. And yeah, it was kind of one of those yeah. <laughs> moments like, okay, I really did a number to myself. Yeah, right. um, so I actually haven't practiced since then. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
So the main injury got you out of practicing, which makes sense. Super common to have an injury get people out of the biz. I mean, thumb injuries, my experience has been shoulder injuries are the number one, weirdly enough, even though we're constantly harping about not using thumbs, but I see more massage therapists with shoulder injuries. And then after that, we go to thumbs and then wrists, right? But nevertheless, injury is one of the most common reasons people either have to take a sabbatical or extended leave or they flat out quit, right? So is that what kind of got you interested in this new line of work that you're doing, which I would like to hear all about, right? So you're you're now shifting more into insurance. Right. Yes. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, very Definitely weird. different than massage. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And people ask me all the time, why is it that you went from massage to insurance? Mm-hmm. Completely different industries. But the, the company that I'm working with is so amazing in, in how they treat their... They're just doing everything differently. So mm-hmm. I knew that as soon as I saw what they were doing and how they run their business and their business plan and how they treat their clients and how they treat their employees and contractors. I was like, I need to get involved. And then it was like, I wish I would have known about it when I was earlier in my career first starting out Mm -hmm. because it is so different. So that kind of happened right around when COVID happened. I was going to do massage part-time and then the insurance Mm part-time. And it wasn't really working that well, <laughs> partially because of COVID and the lockdowns and all of that, sure. but also because I realized that my heart wasn't in it anymore. I didn't want to do the physical work of it, um, but I plugged through, tried for about eight months, and then my injury happened. So the universe was like, you know what? You're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't like what you're doing anymore. We're going to force you out and, yeah. and do other other things. So um so yeah, that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think that's that's for the best, right? I'm I'm for curious sure. how many people are in this industry still because they feel like they should or they don't want to re-educate or for whatever not good reason. How many people have fallen out of love? Another big question I have, and I think about this often, is how many people were never actually in love with it in the first place? They just went to it because they heard that ad on the radio. You know? <laughs> we know the one. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I mean, the fact that, that you know, you had that intuitive sense that you're kind of getting to the end of your career and then the universe was like, yeah, okay, we're going to make sure you listen. I, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And obviously you did listen. I did, yeah. So you got into insurance before you injured yourself. Now, right. did you know about the company that you're working for? What's what's the name of the company? Combined. Combined. So did you know about Combined before you injured yourself? Yes. Yes. So, so I was a policyholder at the time. Oh, okay. So I was able to use it as well. Okay. So, I mean, you've got like firsthand experience of how yes. beneficial it is as a practitioner to have insurance. Yes. Now, I'm going to ask you all sorts of questions about this because... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I vaguely understand the process of the type of insurance that that you you are working with, right? Like, of course, as wellness practitioners, we're all familiar with errors and admission insurance and, and malpractice insurance. Right. And we're probably even familiar with uh, general liability or, or the insurance in case somebody slips and falls, right? So we're familiar with these. And then on the other hand, we're also very familiar with working with insurance companies, extended health care, uh, uh, extended health insurance companies. Our clients come in, they've got benefits for massage. So, you know, we've got like these, these two clients clumps. We've got the insurance that we have to hold as professionals. And then we've got the insurance companies that we as professionals deal with that our clients hold, right? So there are these two. Now, obviously, we're talking more about the sphere of insurance that an individual holds for their own health. Right. But then there's also some overlap because it's like you should have this as a professional, right? So we're kind of in this middle area, 
Yeah. That nobody likes to pay for and yeah. do. And <laughs> yeah. Nobody or, likes it. You no. know, Brianna and I, we just sat down and we're like, should we get health insurance, you know, dentist? And we're like, this is, this is, no, and nothing about this process is enjoyable. Yeah. So we just put it off. And then three months later, we're like, should we do that again? Where <laughs> exactly. did we leave that off? And it's like, <laughs> right. we left it off by saying this sucks. So yeah. let's not do it. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's an interesting and challenging area to be in. So let's, let's start with in that area. What's like, I'm a practitioner and I come to you and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, Debbie. What do you mean insurance? Why do I need insurance? What do I need it for? So let's start with that one. What, what do I as a practitioner need insurance for? So a lot of times what I find and what I've actually had to do is work through injuries hmm. or work while you're sick. I mean, I remember being so nauseous in one treatment that I was like leaning over massaging and, and it's like you can't do that but I was a single mom mm-hmm. and I had to work because I couldn't afford to take the time off or you know you're working through injuries um it was either my shoulder or headaches um and you just kind of plug through because you can't afford to take the time off so really that's the gap that we're trying to get rid of is if you get hurt or sick as self-contract or subcontractors and self-employed people, you don't typically have anything no. like that. And if you do, it, you're looking at $350, $500 a month. And nobody can afford or wants to spend that on insurance. No, and the math I always work out is like, I, I don't get sick that often and I take care of my body, so I don't get injured that often. And let's let's say, simply saying it's $300. Like, like that's a right. relatively minimal insurance plan, right? So I'm paying $300 a month for myself. I mean, by the time I actually get sick and need to use that, I could have just put that into a savings account and then ended up being able to pay myself anyways, right? So that's sort of the the mental game I always play is even with dental, it's like if I just put the money into a separate account when I need to go to the dentist, I'll have the money there and probably some left over, right? So how do you deal with that argument of we yeah. hear, I hear that a lot. Yeah. Now, there's there's a couple of things when when people say that because it's considered self-funding, right? So I say, okay, think of two things. How many times can you use your savings account if you need to? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, once. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Maybe so twice, once, but... once it's depleted, mm-hmm. it's depleted and it's taken you how long to get there? With insurance, you can actually use it over and over and over and over and over. Now, hopefully you won't have to, but it's just, you know, that that's one thing to think about. The other thing is... When, you know, you never think that you're going to get hurt or sick, but it only takes one one time, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people take care of a lot of people, but they still end up with cancer or they slip on ice and break their patella. I just mm-hmm. had a massage therapist actually break her patella. She slipped and went down right on her knee. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so she hasn't been able to work for the last two months. So she's happy to have this coverage because you just don't know when that's going to happen. I mean, they call them an accident for a reason, right? Exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. Or you're getting cancer or, mm-hmm. you know, we've had lots of people that, oh, I never get sick. And then three months later, they're diagnosed with cancer and mm-hmm. they're like, you know, and once it's gone too far, you, you don't qualify anymore. Right, so right. it's always cancer, or cancer, cancer is always better. No, insurance <laughs> is always better when you don't have, when you don't have anything, you're relatively healthy and when you're young. Mm. 
So like, like based on that, and I kind of cut you off on the train of thought because you're saying, you know, it's oftentimes three to five hundred dollars, right? right. And, and is it a similar thing? I mean, I'm not expecting you to give an exact price because, of course, every case I'm sure is different, it's right? Different, yeah. But how do you how do you overcome that obstacle? Because a lot of people are very much turned off by by the price. So what is fantastic, and again, what the company does differently is we can work within your budget. So we specifically customize a plan that fits you. So what may work for you, Jess, may not work for Brianne, may not Mm -hmm. work for me, may not work for the next person. So you can make it individual based on budget, what you have or don't have. So it's really different in that case. So even if you have other insurance and there's a bit of an overlap, combined pays over and above because there is no coordination of benefits. So it's just some of the things that they're doing a little bit differently to mm-hmm. to get pretty great coverage. Yeah, yeah. So like so that means if I come to you and I'm like, okay, I I got I got a hundred bucks a month. Like that that's that's my budget. That's what yep. I've got. And I, I say that's where I'm at and then we have a conversation. You say like, okay, you will hear the things that we could do. We could do this for a hundred or we could do this for a hundred or this for a hundred. And I go, I want I want B and then we set that up, right? Exactly. I mean that sounds ridiculously simple. It that's how it is. Okay, well that's great. Yeah. Okay, great. So within that, um I mean there's obvious reasons why a person will want to be covered. Does it cover things differently between say, I go up to the mountains and I slip and fall versus I've torn the uh, ligament in my thumb. Like, is it is it two different types of coverage, or or how does it work? Good question. So we do have accident injury coverage. So a traumatic event happens and you get injured, mm-hmm. <laughs> or uh, you know, um, that is covered. That's our external or accident injury coverage, and then we have the sickness or internal coverage, which will cover pretty much anything other than a cold. So COVID, flu, you know, big ones, cancer, heart attack, stroke, but also we'll cover things like repetitive overuse, uh, carpal tunnel, mm. uh, tendonitis, arthritis, all of that it will cover as well. Huh. huh. Okay. Okay. And are there plans? So it sounds like there's plans for individuals because I'm sure most people you're dealing with are sole proprietors, right? Yes. Within that, are there family plans as well? So like, say I come and I mean, it doesn't work for Brianna and I, cause you know, we're those horrible dinks, dual income, no kids, <laughs> we're those, those people, right? But let's say you work with somebody who, who is a mother and who has a significant other and a couple of kids, significant other doesn't have insurance. They got a couple of kids. So do you do sort of those, those family plans as well? We can do family plans. And another bonus is they offer discounts. So mm. we often joke, the more kids you have, the bigger the discount. <laughs> Sounds very salesy, but <laughs> but it's so true. Yeah. I mean, if you have a family of four or a family of 10, you're still paying the same. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and the thing is, it sounds salesy. That that's, that's a tricky thing, right? Like I can only imagine... I mean, I've known you for a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're not a salesy person. No, I'm not. Right? Like, I, I couldn't imagine when I first heard you in insurance. I'm like, I don't, I mean, I, I sure, career transition and that type of insurance makes sense, but. What? But Debbie, <laughs> she, she's not pushy. No. <laughs> you know, she, she doesn't talk over people. So how do you, how do you deal with that as, as this like, like warm hearted, loving empathetic massage therapist that you are moving into an industry that's typically known for the sales salesperson mentality how how do you sell so i think of it in a couple ways i i'm not a i mean you're right bang on i'm not a hard pushy salesperson mm-hmm. and if that's how i had to be i would never do it right so what i really am 
hoping to do is just educate. Mm. So let people know that this exists. This company has been around for 101 years and nobody knows about it because they've never advertised and they never will. Mm. So what they've always used is word of mouth and they've gone door knocking, which I don't do. (laughs) If I had to do it, I wouldn't be doing this. Um, But that's that's basically all I'm trying to do is just let people know it exists. Now, once I can get in front of people, you make your decision. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody needs it, but it may not be right timing for you. So I'm not going to push you and then have you cancel. That Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. So I'm just going to continue to, to follow up and, and, you know, build that relationship with you. And then when it's ready, when you get an accident, oh, I should have spoke with Debbie. Mm -hmm. Oh, or you may know people that need, to see it, right? right? Could benefit from seeing it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the angle that that I'm taking in the fact that, you know, once you see it, it's kind of a no-brainer because it checks all of the boxes of everything that's wrong with the industry. We do completely opposite. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of now letting people know that it exists. And yeah. that's kind of where I have more problem with that. And that's getting easier. But that is typically what I'm having the most trouble with, if you want to say, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to even selling per se yeah 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 and it's 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 so challenging because like that's that's what we all have to do i mean even as wellness practitioners if you're working in somebody else's clinic it's a different story kind of but ultimately we still we still have to sell right like we have to sell ourselves that's that's a weird thing to say isn't it we got to sell ourselves but we do it's true like somebody somebody leaves or they they finish the massage and what's the script we're supposed to say okay let's rebook you and so many people feel uncomfortable with that, yeah. right? But it's, and I think that's a big issue within the wellness industry and what leads to a lack of success is this idea of selling is bad or to be a salesperson equals this. I don't want to be that person, right? right? So when I hear you describing this process of how you go about sales, what I find so fascinating is that's that's the way it has to be done now more than ever. Yeah. Like with with. The world being the way the world is, people's BS meter is like so sensitive. <laughs> yes. Like they they can sense BS. And same with authenticity. It's like you, you see an ad on Facebook and you're like, this is, ugh. Yeah. So it actually might lean in your favor being an authentic, caring, kind person who's like, I don't want to sell you anything. I really don't. But what I do want to do is tell you about this thing that genuinely changed my life. Right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. I think that approach is great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I've had people say that all the time. Well, I, you're, you know, I don't want to sell myself. And I'm like, well, you're a massage therapist. You have to sell yourself. That's you exactly to. what you said, yeah. right? It's like you, if you want your business to thrive, you have to tell people mm-hmm. <laughs> to come back. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to be successful. You know, you, you said something in there that I think really matters as well when you were talking about why you feel okay doing this is because you believe in it. Yes. And I wonder how many people don't in, in our industry. Like I, I know, I know a lot of the time when people book for certain types of acupuncture and you know, they're booking in for, for the acupuncture that I don't practice. It's like this pure, pure energy thing, like, like move my chi and do this. And, and I'm like, this isn't my jam, right? Like, I, yeah. I I don't really believe in it. And they're like, when should I rebook again? I'm like, don't. You probably shouldn't because <laughs> it's not my thing. But then if somebody else comes in and they come to see me for depression or anxiety or or the things that, that I, I find I enjoy the most, it's like, when should I rebook again? I don't have a problem. It's right. like, I really want to see you next week. And in my mind, it's like, 
I'm going to get paid for this, but I'm, I'm so interested in seeing the outcome of this process because I believe in its capacity so much. It doesn't feel like sales. And I think there's a big difference between, and, and if there are any Kairos listening, I'm sorry, but I call it the Cairo model, right? Because yeah. that's just kind of baked right into the model. I want to see you every single week from now until the end of your life. Right. Like we've all got this sense of, of yes. this. Do I really need to versus when somebody's like, I, I want to see you because I really think we're going to do something. Right. It's that belief, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think if you tell them why to, I always used to tell students, um, you know, when you're when you're asking them to come back, let them know why. Mm-hmm. So say, you know, it's just like going to a gym. If you go to a gym, you're not going to you can't expect results if you go once a month. Mm-hmm. Now, massage, you, you can go once a month and get results, but yeah. it's just people understand that, that way of thinking. It's like you have to do things a little bit more, especially in the beginning, however that looks, depending on the situation, right? Mm-hmm. But as long as I did that, it was very easy for me to, to rebook. But I find that a lot of people just don't like to, to do that. It's yeah. just uncomfortable. But yeah, it's that whole oh my gosh, sales. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And there are so many cool ways to do it too, you know, like, like let's use this insurance model. We, we all know what it's like to pay insurance, right? You could do monthly installments, you could do annual installments. There's a bunch of different ways. So let's, let's imagine that's a very tried and true model or the gym membership. We all know what it's like. You can play your gym membership annually or monthly. Yeah. So these things that people do recurrently, they're based on these membership models. And I find it fascinating how few wellness practitioners have a subscription-based program. You know, so maybe they're just for the sake of simple math, we say like a monthly or a, a massage is $100. But maybe if you book a subscription, um, then automatically I'm going to charge you $80 a month. And we're going to book you in once a month. Like that that's an easy way, I think, to get recurrent treatments people coming in and you don't have to resell every time because it's just like going to the gym it's like when are you coming back they don't even think about the fact of course i'm coming back right yeah Mm -hmm. i've already paid into a subscription that's kind of how it might sorry but massage heights and massage addict and all of those i think have really given that whole aspect a bad name Mm. right Mm -hmm. so i think maybe that's why people don't want to do that because they're like well i'm not a massage addict and Mm -hmm. i'm not do you know what i mean it was very pushy and you got a good point right and Mm -hmm. so i and i can say that because i used to work in a massage heights for a Mm -hmm. while so the model itself is very is brilliant Mm -hmm. but it just because of the negative connotations that come with the therapists and um, the pushiness of it Mm -hmm. i think it's just not something people want to do just because of that Mm -hmm. um but yeah i do i do think it's brilliant it will get people back in if you Uh, can do it without being salesy exactly yeah so do you think you you've uh you're approaching mastery in the non-salesy sales sales? (laughs) i wouldn't say mastery but (laughs) (laughs) uh it definitely is something that you know you know i find it's it's what i Focus on. If mm-hmm. I focus on, oh my gosh, I need that, get that sale, I need to get that sale, I need to get that sale, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So if I just am out there and I'm like, you know what, if I need to just talk to 10 people a week and just let them know that this exists, then the rest falls into place. Mm-hmm. So it's all about perspective too. And I just find that as the more that I'm doing this, because I'm coming up to three years, I just find that it's becoming easier to just have that perspective. And then just the universe just kind of 
here you go, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not about that. And and it also means I don't come across that way, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just easier. So I don't know if I'd say master, but, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's getting easier. It's getting easier. <laughs> Um, there, there's this book by Bob Berg and I can't remember the other name. They've got this series of books and the books are called the Go-Giver series. And one of, of them, yeah, they're so good. Like, like a complete game changer. After I read, it was, it's called the Go-Giver. After I read book one, Go-Giver, I completely shifted my entire business. Like, like I 100% changed direction because the, the thesis of this book series is, and it's all business books, but they're written in a narrative style, which is super cool. But the whole thesis of the book is if what you're trying to do is sell, you're never going to sell. If what you're trying to do is give, give information, give knowledge, give whatever you can. Exactly. That's when things start to come your way. And the original title of the book was actually called It's Not About You. And as a salesperson, that's the most important thing is it's like it's it's not about you. I think the same thing as a massage therapist. I mean, we know it's not about us, but we're human. So everything's about us, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> that darn ego. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but when you're rebooking a person, if there's that, I'm rebooking this person because I want to make an extra $100, you're making it about you versus yes. I want to rebook this person because I really think I can help them. And I exactly. really feel like there's value and I want to give them I want to give them value. Like they're going to come and yeah, they'll give me a hundred bucks, but I'm going to give them $500 worth of awesome in that. I'm being maybe exaggerative, right? Of course. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm learning as well is the more value that you give, you said it, the more value that you give to people, however that looks, Mm -hmm. the more you're going to get. Yeah. So it's, it's, I completely, my, my world has changed in the last two and a half years since I've been doing this because Mm -hmm. I used, yeah, I used to be that person. It was all about me and why aren't they doing mm-hmm. <laughs> And now it's just about giving and doing what I can to, 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 yeah. I don't know, lack of better words, serve mm-hmm. <laughs> in whatever well, manner that is. Yeah. And it matters. I mean, like, like even what I'm doing now, because of course the majority of my time is spent with, with AIM making courses. And when I first started making courses, it's like, here's what I could teach. And I could teach it because I've taught it. Uh, but now when I, when I create a course, it's like, how how can I make this course the best learning experience possible? What else can I add? So when a person takes this course, they've got everything they need plus 10 times more than they can need. And it's and it's not a sales trick. It's like a, I really want there to be as much value in as possible. If this course is five hours, I want every one of those hours to be not a waste of their time, to be something that they would be worth paying 10 times as much or they'd be willing to pay 10 times as much. And Brianna and I talk about this a lot within the massage world is I think that's also missing in our industry because of whatever reason. I mean, there's probably a million of them, but Brianna's currently doing this experiment where she's going to a different massage therapist throughout the city every month. And she's really varying who the type of therapist that she goes to Interesting. just to learn, yeah, right? to try course. and make her practice better, better, realizing that like the massage, of course, needs to be good. But really, the value a person receives within that time, that's what makes somebody rebook, regardless of the price. You know, that's why a person can charge 150 Exactly. Because within that time, it's such a valuable experience, right? So with that said, wh- what do you think? I mean, you've been practicing massage for, for what, 20-some years, right? Yeah. What do you think makes a massage valuable, that experience, like the best possible? Well, it's all about listening, mm-hmm. right? And not only listening with your ears, but listening with your hands, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Or your forearms or whatever whatever it is that you're using. 
Um, but I also think that just you know, just letting letting go, just doing what I don't know. And maybe some people don't have this, but for me, it was just kind of like I just let my my hands and do do what they were told to do. Right? It sounds hokey, and I don't know if it does, but it just I I couldn't even think about it. Sometimes I couldn't even explain what I was doing. I just did it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I. I think I've lost track. <laughs> well, like, so like <laughs> when, whenever I, so I ask that question to, to virtually everybody I talk to, right? Some iteration of that question, because I'm, and for the people who are listening, they're probably getting tired of me asking this question, but it's a very selfish question because I am genuinely interested in what makes a practitioner successful. What makes the experience as of, of a receiver as best as possible? Because I want to help people create that. I really right. want to, to provide that as something you can learn, right? So your answer is is perfect. And it's right in line with what most people are saying. So if I'm clear what you're saying is first off is you listen, you really listen. So you're listening with your hands and that part I get, and I'm sure many people get as well being kinesthetic and being this hands-on job that we have. But what other forms of listening do you mean? So you're asking them questions and asking them detailed questions, not just, so what hurts today? Okay, your shoulder, great. Like actually get in and actually do some testing and and get to the root of it. Because if you're not, then you're just being generic. Mm -hmm. You're not really going to help. I mean, it's going to help, but it's not going to really help. Um, I also think that a good, and this sounds kind of weird, but customer service, you have to treat the person on the table like you would like to be treated. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a huge thing um, as well, is to just treat them like it's you on the table. How would you want your your hour or 90 mm-hmm. minutes or whatever it is be from beginning to end and just do that and mm-hmm. emulate that as much as possible? Yeah, I think I think that's super valuable. I used to say that when you're when you're receiving a massage, pay attention to what you're what you're receiving because the person giving the massage is giving you the massage they want to receive exactly. and we all do that right like we all give the massage that we want to receive and and for me when when i've got somebody on the table and i find a spot it's like if i'm on the table and somebody found that spot on me i've actually got that spot here's what i want done to that spot right, <laughs> right. um but what also i hear you saying in there is uh, like when when you are doing that it requires a lot of of just you being you like doing doing your style and the beauty of that is you attract the client that fits your style exactly people who change their approach and they're like i got a bit bit of a beef with the 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 techniques that are being sold it's like we we collect a million of them you know we've got like a cabinet of 200 techniques and it's great because you can kind of combine them and if you combine them into your style that's even better but the practitioners who are like I'm going to do this technique for this person and this technique for this person. I personally don't believe it's as valuable as doing your iteration of all of these techniques, right? Your thing. And then you attract the clients you want. There's nothing worse than being somebody who just, all you want to do is relaxation. And you get people come in and they're like, deep tissue all the way, (laughs) you know, bring the pain, right? So yeah, I think it speaks. Or the opposite even, right? Mm -hmm. You you don't want to do relaxation or you, right? It's always the opposite of what you want, but it's not about you. No, exactly. Well, you know what? And it's not, it's not, it's not about you. But then there's also got to be this some part that kind of is, right? Because like what happens if 
you hate doing deep tissue or you hate doing relaxation. It really drives you nuts. Yes. And you keep attracting or you keep agreeing to doing these types of treatments that you don't want to. Then I think, and as I'm, as I'm speaking, I'm like, well, then ultimately it still is about the client because if you really don't like doing, doing deep tissue, they're not going to get a good treatment. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're not going to like it either. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it, it's, that's so true. It's, it's, it is about you, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like a job. You don't like to do everything that you, like yeah. every job is going to have something you're not going to like to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it could get boring too, if you're yeah. doing the same thing yeah, yeah, over and over. So what part, what part of the job did you not like? It, towards the end, it just felt like it was same thing, different body part, mm-hmm. same or like different person. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it just was, it wasn't, it wasn't a puzzle anymore. Because I had treated so, and I'm not bragging by any stretch of the means. It's just, I have a lot of experience. So it just wasn't figuring out that because I had already done it or I've already treated it, treated it, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) And, and so I was like, okay, well that works. And yeah, you could tweak it because it's not necessarily going to work the same, but it just, yeah, it just wasn't giving me that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's actually why I ended up going back to doing my manual osteopathic therapy because right, I right. was like, that's going to give me another avenue. <clears throat> but that happened during COVID. So <laughs> it's kind of difficult doing uh, um, some of the techniques or learning the techniques via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's kind of what, what happened with me is I just, it just became yeah. redundant. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's great. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they, they, they say previously, I can't remember the exact statistics, so I'm sure somebody will correct me on this, but once upon a time, and, and I believe it was the sixties, the, the average person would have three careers in their life. And then by the early two thousands, it was seven and who knows what it's up to now. I mean, it's I'm, lots. I'm, I'm in my, my, I'm sure. yeah, like I probably had like I'm already above seven, I'm pretty sure. And I don't plan on stopping anytime soon because once, and it's part of my personality too, once right. I've, I've grasped a concept sufficiently enough that it doesn't present an overwhelming challenge and I need that. If it's not an overwhelming challenge, I'm bored. So as soon as I'm, I'm over the hill of overwhelming, it's like, psh, I'm done. <laughs> on to something else. I need to do Next. something else. It's going to, you know, drive me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what's so great is you can take what you've done in the past and and morph it into something completely different and mm-hmm. unique and yeah. right, take your skills and yeah, yeah I think that's fantastic and I don't think anything's a waste. Uh, I found it so interesting having having taught massage and acupuncture and, and I'm always curious about what what brought somebody to the point where they wanted to learn how to do this weird thing that we do right I mean sure it's not weird but it kind of is rub bodies yeah exactly if you rub <laughs> bodies you're gonna stick needles in people like this <laughs> right. is this is a strange thing or you're just like a yoga teacher what why do you want to tell people how to stretch like so I mean when we put it in a logical way like that it, it's kind of kind of strange but I'm always curious what, what got people into it and you get people from all walks of life I mean myself I, I was a tradesman through and through right and the skills, and I find this so interesting because no matter if somebody was a tradesman or they were uh, doing doing serving or they were a flight attendant, it doesn't matter. Everybody's like, but you know, I learned a lot from that job that has helped me in this one. So I don't think anything's a waste, right? No, no. it's not. You might not want to have taken it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, you're going to yeah. take a piece. There's a reason why you were led to do that. 
you had some kind of learning and so that you can take that to your next career or mm -hmm. even just benefit your life. I really truly think that we need to always be evolving and that's part of it. Yeah. Right? yeah. And now more than ever, I mean, maybe in the sixties, there wasn't a choice. You did the thing you did because there wasn't more options, but yeah. now with the, the infinite world of options. And then simultaneously, I think, and, and I, I kind of loosely use the word mastery, but proficiency might be a better one. I think proficiency is important. And regardless of the, the, the speed in which one is capable of learning, I truly believe until you've hit year four of doing something, you're still you're still very much in the learning phase. And I do find that unfortunate within massage therapy because so many people quit before year four that they haven't actually hit the point of proficiency, let alone mastery. Yeah. And that's, in my opinion, really when the magic starts to happen. When you're no longer thinking, when you're no longer caring about the new techniques, when you're doing what you said, you're just letting your hands do what they do. But that takes that takes time. You know, you might you might have the the touch and the natural inclination right from day one, but it's not until you've had your hands on a lot of people, lot of people <laughs> and you've put in a lot of hours that you do gain that. So again, it's that balancing. It's like you, you need the time to become proficient or master at it. However, m moving on to something else, once you have hit that, that's also a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Or just tapping out because you don't like it. Mm -hmm. that's yeah. fine too yeah. <laughs> i kind of wish more people would do that tap out mm -hmm. yeah just because there's a lot of therapists out there that just i mean if if i didn't come into this i'd probably still be massaging because i was able to work around my kids schedules and i was able to make a decent living and mm -hmm. you know all of that that's really flexible and but did i enjoy it no mm -hmm. right so yeah, I, you're right. I wish people would, mm -hmm. you know, kind of just leave, but it's scary to leave. It takes so much courage. It does, especially yeah. if you're going into something completely different, totally. right? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, now what? Yeah, I, I always look back and I, and I had Eric on, I think it was episode three or something like that, one of my first guests, and, and I talked to him because he, he and I, we've been best friends for an eternity, right? And we basically went through school together. He was a year behind me. So he practiced acupuncture for almost 10 years and then he quit and now he's doing tech like what he i don't even understand what he does but he's like he's sitting in a just wire who knows he's doing tech things right <laughs> all hardware techie stuff and the courage to do that right he's got he's got a wife he's got a kid he's got a mortgage to leave a job which he was familiar at it was easy to go do something completely different like i, I still often think the amount of courage that took was huge so no wonder more people don't. And uh, I'd be curious how many people in any industry, but of course ours. Especially, yeah. Yeah, they just, they, some part of them, maybe a big part of them wants out, but they, they don't know what to do. So when you were transitioning then on that note is like, the, the transition seemed pretty natural because of course you're still kind of in the healthcare world, right? So when you transition from massage to doing insurance, how did that feel? What was it like? It was scary which is why I wanted to, I never ever thought when I first started, I just wanted to make an extra thousand a month that would help fund my, my place in Hawaii. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it just kind of morphed into something different. And, you know, again, the universe had something different for me. And, and yeah, I just, it was, it was really scary. It was, uh, what am I doing? Mm. Why am I doing this? And, and with any business as you could probably, there's ups and downs and, the, the, you know, the ups are great, but there's also the downs and you have to learn how to persevere those 
downs Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's really where you're going to become successful right step out of your comfort zone so you have to be willing to do that if you're not it's not going to happen for you you're going to quit or you're going to leave or whatever so Mm-hmm. It takes a certain person to do that as well. It does. Um, we also have to trust that it's in your best interest, which again is, I sounding really hokey. I don't know. I don't know if you believe you, that. But I do for sure. Good. Yeah. Because I just, I truly think that you need to become who you were meant to be. And you can't do that without getting uncomfortable and, and doing things that, you know, mm-hmm. that's why 95% of people are working nine to five and, and mm-hmm. they're never going to be rich. <laughs> Not that that's what everybody needs to be, but it's just kind of one of those things you have to ask, like, what is it that you want? What is it that you, right? Mm -hmm. And so. I'm preparing for this this really cool workshop that I'm going to be facilitating, or not the sole facilitator, but co-facilitating. And it's for wellness center owners, right? So it's a super cool retreat and it's all just wellness center owners. And and uh, the the topic I was asked to do was just self development, and it's like just like what, what does that mean even, right? Because <laughs> it's kind of my it's kind of my thing, right? Like it's my my biggest passion, my hobby, my everything. And as I was going through it, I'm like, well, well, what would be if I could teach a a wellness center owner? Now these are practitioners who own, own clinics or whatever it be, right? If I could teach them one thing, what would it be? And what kept coming to mind over and over again was what you were just talking about. It's like, well, what do you really really want to do? And as such, I, I've reread the book that changed my life, like took me from being a, a uh, tradesperson to what I'm doing. And that's The Alchemist. I'm not sure if you've ever read I it. I haven't read that, no. By far favorite book. Probably read it 50 times. So I'm going through it again. have to go get it. <laughs> yeah. And for the first time ever, I'm reading it line by line and I'm writing notes on every single line of this book because I really want to use it as like the the cornerstone. And it's it's come up so many times for me in the last several weeks about how important it is to really think back to to the, the, the core you. Like, do you really, really in your core, is this what you feel like you're meant to be doing? Now, I think it's important to acknowledge that for some people, there isn't an answer for that. And that's not a bad thing. No. It's not. It's actually normal. I think it's very normal for the nine to five where it's like, hey, I, I do human resources for an oil field company downtown. Great. Because that gives you the time and money to do the things that really cost you, like travel, right? But then there's the other person who who has that voice in them that's like, your vocation needs to be your life and your life is off track. So I think I think... A lot of people in the wellness industry got into it because maybe there was an inkling of a voice that said, you need to help people. Yes. Mm-hmm. But this isn't maybe the ideal way to help people. Or maybe it is, right? But nevertheless, listening to that voice is it's hard. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you question it too because you're like, well, is this really what I'm supposed to do? Because, mm-hmm. right? And then you second guess. And yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's difficult. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, there, there's so many reasons why it might not be the thing. And, it, you know, I'm going down this because like, I, I like the hokey stuff. I love it. Like, <laughs> Good. I, I dwell in that realm. <laughs> you know, so I'll, I'll sit down. It's like, should should I, is this really, is is teaching continuing education for massage therapists and acupuncturists, is that is that my sole purpose? Is that what I was put on this planet to do? And and the answer is no, it's not. And, and I'm familiar with that. But what I do know is this is in the direction. Yes. This is a key era of my life where if I go in it with everything I am, I'm confident that little voice inside of me is like, this isn't it, but this is on the way to it. So you got to do this all in, right? 
yeah, you have to, like, it's just like trying to jump, right? You can't jump. You have to go through because there's something that you learned mm. and you're phenomenal at it, by the way, um, is, you, you know, there was things that you learned. You learned what to, what to teach. And I mean, mm-hmm. who knows what that, what that lands, but look at you now. You're, you're super successful doing this, mm-hmm. um, but you needed to teach and you needed yeah. to do that before you figured out this. And mm-hmm. this may not be the end, but it's... It's the next step. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's a valuable thing for for all practitioners too, is to tune in. And for some of them that I've met, it's like, no, this is it. I love it. For the people who are like, I am meant to be doing this. Awesome. But for other people, it's like maybe going to massage school is in a very important step, but it's not it. But the only way to find that is to tune in, to listen to that voice and really ask that question, like, is this it? And if the answer is is no, maybe, kind of, just tune into it. Yeah, and even if it's not sure, you, mm-hmm. it's not right. Because mm-hmm. if it was right, you'd know. You wouldn't you would. be not sure, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So even if there's just that 1% that you're, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think so. It, I, it's not the right path, but it's yeah. definitely helping you get where you yes. want to go or where and you should be going. Yeah, yeah. But again, courage. It's a scary thing. It is. Yeah, yeah. It is. Huh. <sighs> I didn't see our conversation going that way, no. but it was lovely. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, with that, I suppose we'll we'll kind of tie it back in because because I, I think I think I've got all of my questions answered okay. about about insurance. Is there anything else that you feel like that I should know, or somebody who's listening should know about insurance as a wellness practitioner? Just keep an open mind. They're mm. they're not all out to get you. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and really just, you, you don't know what you don't know. So just go and learn. And, and if it's not for you, it's not for you. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, Yeah. right. And it may not be for you right now, but it could be for you a year from now. Mm-hmm. There's a reason, but you don't, you don't know until you don't. Yeah. I mean, I didn't until I heard what you were doing. I had no idea that somebody could get insurance as a massage therapist that would cover their hands. I had no idea that was a thing. I thought it should be a thing, but didn't know. So hopefully a lot more people who are listening now know that it's an option. You you can get insurance for when you're sick or when you're injured, and it doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg. It could cost as much as one treatment per month, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's usable. So mm. that's the other key is people don't want to spend the money and then have to jump through a million hoops to actually mm. get a claim. It is so easy, so straightforward, and, and I'm there to walk them through or the the person that signs them up is there to walk them through the, the that claims process and all of that. So it doesn't have to be complicated. Mm. We're trying to make it easy. Um, so that's that's a good thing too, yeah. right? <laughs> so how can people get a hold of you? Um so I, I'm on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, just Debbie A. Shear at, or that's my handle, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say at Gmail. <laughs> um, I also have a website. It's just DebbieShear.com. Okay. Pretty straightforward. And we'll put all that in the show notes. Right? Yeah. And, and you can call me or text me as well, yeah. which I think is... Yeah, great. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure that uh, we've got your contact information for anybody to get a hold of you and uh, ask you questions about this interesting world. Right? Cool. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you very much. That was a lovely conversation. I yes. appreciate your time. Thanks, Jess. I appreciate yeah. this. This was really good. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Great.